Well, welcome back to racing, everyone. Life in the Peloton is back on the road, and finally, I'm back to racing, and I can do the real podcast once again, back on the road, back in the life of racing. I've got Lionel to join me again this week. Welcome, Lionel, back to the episode. Hi, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. I've uh, recovered. It feels like I've been on a a bit of a grand tour or something. I've only done two one-day races, but... I got back from those two one-day races and I felt like I needed to have a little mini off-season. It was pretty hectic. The racing was hard. It was hard being away from the family. It was hard being back in uh, back in the old life again. Well, you say back in the old life again. What is this week's episode all about? I think this is a really good idea. You came to me with this idea and you said, you know, it could be interesting to get a bit of a diary on your first race back, which at that point I thought was going to be Tour of Poland. My program got changed to um, Strada Bianchi in Milan San Remo and we thought, I don't know, can this idea still work? But it did work brilliantly because what I didn't think about was this time between, we're in these bubbles now, there is no going home between one day races. We stayed together for the week in Italy in a beautiful Tuscan villa, by the way, and it was just a really cool atmosphere, cool, weird, whatever you want to call it. So I sort of recorded snippets over the whole week and try to give everyone a little tiny insight to what life was like back on the road or what life is like on the road as a pro cyclist, staying with the team, talking to mechanics, talking to riders before the race, before the recons, after the race, you know, during the week when we're just kicking back as well. It's actually turned out a hell of a lot better than um, I initially thought it might. Well, it's a kind of a fly on the wall of the EF Pro Cycling Team bus and inside the magnificent Tuscan Villa, which I think you do mention half a dozen times or so through the course <laughs> of this episode. So it must have been spectacular. It was It was actually brilliant. I tell you what, I really did feel lucky there. I was not telling my wife how good it was. I was trying <laughs> to hold it back, but it was a place I'd love to go to and spend my own money there. It was right in the heart of Tuscany there. Beautiful, you know, vineyards rolling. And I, I did joke about it. I was like, you know what, with the boys, if we did happen to get locked down here for two weeks, it wouldn't be that bad, to be honest. But um, I tell you what, though, after about a week, it did sort of wear on and it was nice to move on down to Milan where we finished Milan San Remo. And ultimately, it was great to get back home. So who are we going to hear from in this episode, Mitch? So I do want to explain this because there's lots of voices in this episode. I've got my teammates first off, you know, we've got Mike Woods, we've got Logan Owen, we've got Lawson Craddock, Sean Bennett, Magnus Court Nielsen, Simon Clark and Alberto Bettiol. They're all the teammates who were down there racing Strada Bianchi and San Remo. Sean Bennett was there as an emergency. He ended up filling up for Logan Owen who dropped out. And ultimately, San Remo, they dropped a rider out, so we're only down to six riders. But we get to hear from everyone. Quite good little dynamics. We also get to hear from the two director sportifs, Juan Margarate and Fabrizio Guidi. I also try and talk to as many staff members as we can. And we're talking with also Swanier's Pascal and Sophie, mechanics JJ, George, and also the bus driver, Borja. I also get to chat to a few little friends along the way and you know other riders Dan McClay's on there Roy Sutherland Armin Jensen who's from the winning team of both races he rides for Lotto Jumbo you know the winner is um, Walt Van Aert so it was interesting talking to him also get to chat to Richard Spink who's a uh, physio for Ineos it's great hearing his voice on there great guy and Hannah Troop who's our media girl she just pops in and out as well so it's great to hear all these different voices 
I really hope you guys enjoy this one because actually listening back on it, it's a nice little bit of document and I really enjoy sort of hearing the flow of it, even though I was there for the whole week. So as we take off, I'm sitting in the car here with Lawson Craddock and Mike Woods. Welcome, boys. <laughs> here we go. Thanks for having me, buddy. We've literally just jumped in the cab. We're still in Girona, just pulling out. The first time the three of us have been together in a cab this year, yeah. I guess. I haven't seen you in a long time. Dude. Might have been February camp. Yeah. yeah. I've spoken to you, but we haven't seen yeah. each other. Yeah, that's true. Law Dog and I left. The last time we left was under much different circumstances. Oh, yeah. It felt like it felt like the uh, girls were kissing us off to <laughs> war because we left for Pyrenees. Well, you wouldn't have thought this, though. You wouldn't have felt this because we didn't really know anything. Or did you feel something going to Pyrenees? I can't remember back then. No, we felt it. Like it felt like we were going to war. We're both off the cards, and so it's kind of like the dominoes were falling. So it's actually a very similar feeling now. You know, going off off to races, just like the uncertainty of nothing. Woodsy, tell me what you were just telling me then. As we drive out, potentially you could be away for two weeks, three weeks, or six weeks. How does that work? So there's a lot of ifs. But if some of these ifs line up, it goes, it's July 29th today, and I won't be home till October 10th. Why? Well, so I'm supposed to stay within the bubble for all the way to San Remo, but then go to a new bubble for Lombardia. Then from Lombardia, I'm supposed to go to the tour camp. So tour camp, I'm not allowed leaving the bubble. So I have to go to the tour camp. And that's That ends August 27th. Tour starts August 29th. If I do the tour, then 29th to July 20th or whatever. Then straight from there to Worlds. Worlds to Ardennes. Ardennes end October 10th. And then Vuelta, just to cap things <laughs> off. <laughs> you on Down Under? You must just keep going. I'm just staying in the bubble. Just bubble wrap me, buddy. What does it look like for you, Law Dog? Are you? What are you doing? Uh, now we're driving away for what? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're heading to Strada. I do San Remo. I'm supposed to come back to Girona, and it's not nearly as extreme as Woodsy. Um, I'll actually be able to come home, and then really my next race is, is Torino. Um, so I'll get some solid time at home with the girls, and then head back off Torino, and then know world champs possibly and so you're a little bit like me just uh just get a week away with the boys have a bit of fresh air oh yeah spend some time in the tuscan sun i mean like really i can't complain (laughs) i've booked up a couple of wine tours hopefully we can do tomorrow (laughs) i only want to do two tomorrow maybe three on saturday on friday yeah sounds good (laughs) you'll know where to find me (laughs) in your room yeah (laughs) solo oh my god do we have solo rooms up yeah yep we do yeah. But like, see, this is where I get so confused is like, you know, like we're in contact with each other. We're constantly in contact with each other. And then like, oh, we get solo rooms, which is like, don't get me wrong. That's, it's great to have like your own privacy, but I don't know. There's so much that constant contradicts each other. Like you look at Alex Dowsett not starting Burgos because he came in contact with someone who came in contact with yeah. someone who had it. And you're like, yeah, but he spent you know, the entire run into that race with his team traveling and eating and and all this stuff. And like, yeah, he doesn't take the start, but at that point, if you, 
I feel like the whole team shouldn't take the this, this start. If there's a possibility that he has it, it's a possibility that everyone he's come in contact with has had it. Well, it goes back to then, like, there's a possibility we've all got it from just going down the supermarket yesterday and whatever, you know? It's, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, look, we're on the road. The wheels are turning. And like you guys said, let's see how far we go. Could be the airport turnaround. <laughs> Could be Milan, grab a... Uh, pizza and flip it which won't be too bad yeah. or we could be doing the whole hog like Woodsy coming back in uh, end of down under <laughs> so we've arrived at the airport and it's pretty quiet and the rest of it's just like an airport <laughs> it still looks the same, just less people. It's nice, it's quite nice. Less people pushing you. Yeah. Took about four minutes to get through. <laughs> I think we just set a new Strava. Alright Woodsy, let's paint the picture here. We're just travelling to the race. We've got the masks on. What's the feeling, what are you feeling? What's it like? I don't think it'd be extraordinarily weird if it wasn't for the reference points that I already have. Like Barcelona airport's always pretty busy. There's lots of people, we were just sitting outside uh, having a coffee in the shade and normally that whole area is just packed with smokers. Still a lot of smokers, but far fewer than, than normal. Everything about the airport's just quiet. You can kind of just feel this, it's not normal. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm imposing that as well, but just being here many times, just so much more quiet, so much more eerily quiet than what it normally is. It feels like New Year's Day morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've, I've actually flown out of here Christmas, the, the day after Christmas, 26th of December, to go to Oz. Similar vibe, like just dead. Minus the masks. <laughs> Minus the masks, exactly. All right, as we go, this is something that I felt this morning as we drove down to meet each other to get in the cab. I, for such a long time, as you did, did all this training and actually towards the end of it started hating doing the long rides and just like, God, I'm over it. I can't wait to go racing. All of a sudden this morning, I'm driving down. I finally get to go racing and I got nervous. I saw someone heading out on a long day and I looked across at him and I couldn't help but think in the back of my mind, oh, it'd be nice to go out and do six, seven hours today. And then I caught myself and went, what are you doing? You would hate to do six, seven hours today. That's what you've been hating the last few months. And all of a sudden, because I've got something else and that the pressure's going to be on, I wanted what I couldn't have. Are you feeling that weird sort of like anxious sort of pressure? You want it, but now we've got it? Yeah, totally. I mean, this is going to be my first race back after breaking my femur. Yeah. Um, racing's not training. And I, like, regardless of how good you train, you don't know how you stack up as a racer until you race. I mean, you can try and mimic it. You do motor pacing, you do that kind of stuff. But... There's a reason why there's a difference between like, the, like just because you can nail Zwift or just because you can put out a good calm or a, a Strava, Strava file doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great racer. And because we've all been a bit rusty, all been a bit, uh, there have been a cobwebs in the, the racing skills department, I think it's natural to feel that nerves. I'm feeling those nerves. And there was a cop out with, with Zwift, with Stravas. You can always just pull out and go... Oh, it doesn't really matter. But now, it matters. People are watching. You know, if you cop out on like a training session, maybe your coach sees the file, that's it. 
there's no one else holding you accountable. And I think that pressure, I think everyone's going to be feeling that. And I think it's going to be why it's going to be a crazy race on Saturday. I think guys are going to be more nervous, more sketchy than normal. They're, they're guys on contract years that want it more. This is going to be like going back to like point one, point two level racing where there's just a bit more desperation. Yet with World Tour legs. What gate are we at? <laughs> Alright, we we've made it to the other side. We're here in Florence and along the way we've picked up some passengers. Richard Spink. Welcome Spinky, welcome to the pod. Oh, hello. Absolute pleasure to be on this pod. I've been a long long since admirer and actually to be on it live, this is uh, this is something else. Mate, I was happy to see you on the flight. Always a good guy to catch up with. But apart from our social aspects, what do you think so far of your experience? Is this your first travel? This is the first travel since February, since Provence. So yeah, first time being on a plane for a while. But it's um, it's actually surprisingly smooth. Pretty quiet at the airport. Um, everyone's distancing and being respectful. Obviously masks everywhere and lots of hand washing, but so far so good. What are you expecting once we leave here? The travel to the race, the hotel time. You just sort of pointed out to me, you might be able to get out for a cheeky run. And I was thinking, I envy that because I'm sort of predicting that once we get to the hotel, we're gonna be like, not quarantined, but quarantined in the room, unless we go out for a ride, which will probably be tomorrow. What have you heard anything? What we're gonna be able to do and not do and? No, I've not heard much. It just, just depends on what the, uh, what the lads will be requiring treatment-wise. Um, I know we're on a golf course, so that might give us a bit more, bit more flexibility the sneak out for a run but yeah it'll all be down to team regulations and I'll, I'll be towing the line I thought you were going to say a cheeky 18 then <laughs> well you've seen you've seen a cheeky one or two a cheeky a cheeky hook and I'll be walking all around the rough so no that won't last long beautiful mate well uh, hopefully I can check in with you I don't think we're in the same hotel are we I don't think not this one but hoping hoping at one stage if it's down to two teams only there's a not much chance eh <laughs> the, odds, the odds are stacked against us cheers well, let's go get these bags. So we're here. Let's do it. The Bubble Boys and now Girl, Hannah Troop has joined us along the way. And what I was just saying before I forgot to press record was, I thought it was going to be much more rigorous process getting into Italy. It was, it was just a simple question of, have you been in uh, Europe the last two weeks? And what did you answer, Woodsy? Well, actually, I thought, yeah, I have been in Europe for the last two weeks. But I actually thought like that was kind of, uh, I wasn't prepared for that going into Italy and having those people ask me where I've been. But they're going on Scouts Honor. I could have lied. When you say you weren't prepared for it, were you just like, oh my God, what am I gonna say? <laughs> yeah, I always get I always get a bit nervous around authority. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like whenever I go through a border, I'm always like, not sure what I'm supposed to say. Even when I'm, when I'm telling the truth, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> so you're just like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Anna, what's been your experience so far of the whole process? Now we're back in our little comfort zone. You just said before, I've had my test. Negative, double negative, no antibodies, which I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping I was going to have some kind of superhuman COVID power and have antibodies without having had it, but unfortunately not. And now we're going to have another test on our bus. Is that right? I'm not, so, yeah. I'm not the doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. No, when... but what, have you, I, what I've been told is that 
our protocol is come in here, test because we could have potentially picked up something along the way. So I guess, how long does that test take? Has Borja got to shove things up our nose? (laughs) The email said Pascal, whose medical background is supposed to do the test. I assume we send it off and then it takes, I think we do it now because three days before the race and we should have results by the time the race starts. Is that our three day before the race test? Yes. I think it will be back within 24 hours. Yeah, well, but they have to send word, so it, my understanding is we send it to at this Danish laboratory and they have to test it. So, I don't know. A lot of uncertainty as with everything this year. And we're just commenting on the race. Let's get to the racing. It's going to be hot. I just, I just said to Lawson, I asked him, I said, do you think that in the peloton on, on Saturday, people are going to be like, okay, dudes, let's just keep this chill for the first few hours. It's really hot. What did you say, Lawson? Absolutely not. <laughs> I love that naiveness. I would love that. No, yeah, guys, hey, wait a sec. It's the first race back. <laughs> it's gravel in like 10 section, in 10K. How about we just keep it chill, Chippo style? And when the TVs come on, hang on, they're already on. Oh, let's race, let's go. Apparently not going to happen, is it? <laughs> So, we've done the two recons, now we're travelling back in the bus, yesterday was a longer recon, today was a shorter recon, and we've had two guys join us, Magnus and Sean, they weren't there yesterday, so Magnus only got to do today the shorter recon, the easy stuff. Maggie's haven't ridden Strata Bianchi before, what were your thoughts today mate, riding over the gravel again? Yeah, it's nice. It's a uh, in general, it's it's good gravel road. What I saw the those first four sectors, uh, there's still some holes, and when you sit in, in the bunch, uh, it's it's not gonna be easy for sure. It's it's always tricky uh, when you do it alone in a small group. You see all the holes, and, and you feel confident, and then you sit in, in the bunch, and uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. What do you think about doing it in summer? Like, cause last time you did it, it was in the spring, and. Uh different feeling today being on the white roads in the in the heat yeah but there was a dry the other time I, I tried it i think that's the biggest uh, difference if the weather are dry uh, the temperature will will for sure uh, be something but but that's the same on, on your own dust or, or not but uh, yeah dry roads is, is to prefer and more importantly we're back in the bus what does it feel like being back in the bus back on tour back with the boys yeah, it feels good. Uh, yeah, something I've really missed. I'll have a long uh, trip uh, around now, eight weeks, I believe, uh, if everything goes as, as planned. Uh, so it's just getting back into it. So uh, Logan Owen, who was there with us on uh, Freshman on a Grandy last time I spoke to Logan, got through the Vuelta, as we all know. Next time I end up catching up with him, well, briefly at the training camp, but now almost a year later we're doing strata bianchi yesterday mate we had a big recon and you coming out of cold belgium how'd you find it um i did not find it so fun i did not enjoy the heat at all uh so yeah i uh i struggled a lot the roads are fun but i will not be racing now because uh i'm a shit man in the heat 
Yeah, that's the thing that you told me is like, look, training's been going good. I'm feeling really good. I've been setting good numbers. But one thing you underestimated, I think also me, I knew it was going to be hot here, but I did not expect it to be, like you said, 40 degrees or whatever is a high 30s. And I underestimated too, only that I'd been in Spain. I think I had a little bit of an upper hand than you. But that was something you said you underestimated coming from Washington, which was a bit colder. Yeah. Um, then Belgium, which is, look, I'm not going to say it's freezing there, but it's just not quite 40 degrees, is it? No, no, I haven't seen above 23, 24 degrees all year. So coming from that straight into 100 degrees, so 40 degree weather here, it's not a not fun. Tell me what you felt out there. For anyone who doesn't really know what it's like being on the white roads in the heat, what did it feel like yesterday? Just felt like I was melting and you just, you have a headache and you start seeing things eventually and you can't tell if there's rocks in front of you or if there's, if it's actual road. You don't, you don't know what's happening. I was zigzagging all the way home. (laughs) So what do you predict for the race then? Now knowing how hot it was yesterday and today, what are you thinking tomorrow? Because we're not starting till 1.30. I think people are going to be seeing, seeing stars pretty early. I think uh, people that have had the best heat adaptation is going to, they're probably going to be the best best towards the end so um yeah it's just going to be about managing the heat but people are going to be uh pulling out and cramping pretty early i think it's going to be crucial to get those bottles we've actually got grip tape inside our bidden cages now because we lost a few bottles yesterday and i think in the other times of the year i'm not going to say it's not a problem but you can always push on to another sector and get the next bottle but tomorrow i think it's going to be crucial could be almost that point if you miss that bottle could almost be done don't you reckon yeah i think your race could be over if you miss a bottle like it's it's that crucial and it's definitely crucial to have people out there feeding you and supporting you so it's going to be difficult to see the car you'll see it maybe once in the race and that's about it so you're going to be well hydrated watching the race tomorrow and potentially with some some nice ales by the pool at our beautiful hotel <laughs> potentially yes i uh definitely will be enjoying enjoying the race from the comfort of the beautiful hotel we're staying in all right, so I'm up the front of the bus now, sitting next to my friend, the bus driver, and also Juan Margarate, my director, one of my, our directors here at Strata Bianchi. And believe it or not, I stepped out of the car yesterday during the recon and asked Juanma, what was your best result here, mate? How did you like this race? And I found out at that moment, he was a virgin to the race and seeing the white roads for the very first time himself. How did you actually find it, Juanma? I'm the rocky here, mate. Uh, it's first. It's gonna be the first time ever. I mean, I never did it as a rider. I never did it as a DS. I saw a couple of times in TV the race, but yeah, I never did it before, and I'm I'm excited, honestly. I think it's gonna be uh, really difficult for the first time to drive the car here <laughs> in the middle of the uh, dust. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the race, the parkour, like a really technical not one single meter flat. I'm really surprised about that because it is a real hard race. It's really adapted for climbers with tech with a, a good skills uh, driving the bike. It's harder than I expected. Did you not do the Strata Bianchi when it was in the Giro that year? Mm, no, I, one? no, I don't no. think so, no. So, as you saw the course, like, this is definitely, it was, I knew it was going to be a hilly course, first time I'm here, and I, it was harder than I thought. But I think that was because back in the day when they first had it riding, a lot of classics riders did it. And so 
my opinion was it was a classics race but as as the years have gone on a lot of people have cottoned on and gone actually climbers can win this race what was another point and something that i've noticed now this race being in summer i think it's going to have another element that hasn't been seen before like we're talking about the bottles i think if you miss a bottle now that could be crucial and maybe the end of your race if if you if you do here with the heat we have at the moment if you do like 15 kilometers without a bidon you are out of the game even if you drink two bottles straight away, you are not gonna recover anymore. And my impression impression is like, it's gonna be like a Lies Baston Lies, of course, maybe it's 100 kilometers shorter or not 100, but 80 kilometers shorter. But you add that it's really more technical. So it's gonna cost you really a lot of energy, drive the bike, stay um, focused on your bottles, bidons. You, as you said, if you miss one, you are totally out of the game. It's yeah, in the 11 in the morning, 11 a.m. is 31, 32 degrees, and it's gonna arrive almost close to 40 with a lot of humidity. You are sweating really a lot, and that's why we are gonna have people everywhere in uh, in all the sectors, in the middle and at the end, with bidons, because otherwise it's impossible to come back to the car, to call the car, to assist you guys. And also, what is your feeling now being back on the road with the bus? with the boys, my initial feeling was it's gonna be really weird, it's gonna be really different, but literally after about two hours or three hours, it felt like I'd never left. Have you got that feeling? Yeah, the only thing I um, I was I was um, dizzy there, sitting in the back of the bus, that's why I came <laughs> to the front in the last couple of minutes, because I, I lost the, um, yeah, the frequency of travels here with Borja, and now I think it's, as you said, I mean, in a couple of days we are again into the rhythm, and it's like, oh, we never if, left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Borja, yeah. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm not going to take too much of your concentration because you're driving a bus here full of us, but and we're on Italian roads with crazy people coming past, but how does it feel having the bus full again, all the boys behind being annoying? Is it good? Yeah, it's a, it's a good sensation after three months at home, man. <laughs> and are we more work than the kids or are the kids more work at home? Oh my God, what a question. Oh, 50-50. <laughs> mm, <laughs> really, I think we're harder. Boys, give me some post-race thoughts, Woodsy. That was the scariest race of my life. Anything more than that? <laughs> run, run me through. Why? Why? It was just—it was—it was bonkers. It was a fight from like neutral. Neutral was crazy, and then when we hit the first sector, you couldn't see anything. And then I—I I got a puncture, and I was in the cars, and I couldn't see shit. Like I literally couldn't see anything. I was just going on a hope and a prayer. FDJ car almost like smoked me at one point. Dude, I. Yeah, it was, it was not the first race to do after you break your femur. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> Tell me about... But yeah, but actually maybe it is. Yeah, think God. about every other race now. You're going to be like, this is just a breeze. True. Lombardy is going to feel so safe. <laughs> <laughs> San Remo is going to be boring as hell next week. Tell me about then afterwards, once you got through that first initial hectic part, what was it like once you rolled over the... The climbs and the bunch had sort of thinned out. Things pretty calm then, pretty cruisy, just a day out on the gravel? No, it was full gas all day, man. 
It was insane. It was just a crazy day. I, I, it was so hard from the get-go. I've never raced a race like that, I don't think. What about the heat? Savage. So hot. Oh, it wasn't that hot, was it? What about you, Law Dog? You rolled in. You managed to be one of the lucky 42 that actually finished the race. Tell me about your day. Uh, and I saw Woodsy coming up at the end. I just realized I got to beat him. <laughs> you don't get many chances to take down Mike Woods in the America's Cup. But, but I mean, yeah. That was my first strata, and I have to say that was mind-blowing. It was just so, I've never done a race so intense from the get-go. The course itself, you take the gravel out of it, it's still hard. Yeah. But you put the gravel in there, and you just, the way we raced it today was just, basically just attacking every sector, and, oh, my gosh. What about you, Sean? Tell me about your first strata. Second strata. Sorry. Second strata, first summer strata is what I meant to say. Um, dusty. I was just drinking grit every time I took a sip of water. What, what was the difference today? What made it so much harder than a normal one? I think the heat. I mean, it was like, as soon as everyone started going hard, it was just, you couldn't, or I couldn't catch up on water and just fully cramped up. Did you have some time back in the cars for a while to experience that dust storm? Yeah, just kind of coming, I came back through the cars once and it was, oh, it was terrifying. I mean, I don't know if you like, you're coming back through and you don't know if the car can see you because there's so much dust and you only really see the brake lights of the cars. It's yeah. wonderful. And the thing with the gravel is too, what I've sort of worked out is you sort of got to be preempt the corner, really brake. You can't come into a corner late and brake because obviously you just slip out. So that was actually what was happening in the, in the fog, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit. It was, I mean, the, the corners just came up so much quicker. And it's, I mean, there's so many where you see like five, ten guys, or not ten guys, like five guys off on the side just trying to break into it like it's a normal corner and just go wide because there's no traction. Saw that a lot. And then, yeah, especially coming through the cars, you just, you can't see much and you kind of, when you see the car brake lights go, you just kind of really have to let up early. Maggie? Run me through your day, mate, because you're up the front there. You were jumping in some moves early on. I thought, hang on here. Is Maggie trying to slip up the road? What happened at the very start? And then tell me about what happened afterwards. Oh, and the early start, I had uh, ice on my back and uh, an extra bottle of, of water to pull, pull over me, so I was feeling quite, quite good. I helped out Sean a little bit. He was uh, good covering the moves, but uh, yeah, I slipped in a few ones, so I was thinking, yeah. Uh, if you get in there for free, uh, I wouldn't mind it. I was seeing that too. When I heard your name up there, I was like, that's not a bad idea. No, but in the end, it was not my job, and, and I didn't really use much power. Yeah, the, the heat took it out of me eventually. But then what happened on the sectors? Like, you've been here before. How did you actually feel on the gravel in comparison to last time? Oh, I feel good on, on the gravel. I like that it's only the second time. For sure, uh, I really want to come back now. Like, in terms of the bike, I felt comfortable, but... Yeah, the, I couldn't manage manage with the heat, and at some point I, I got dropped, and I was sitting with with Wuchi that the finished, and actually I also wanted to do that, but uh, yeah, it was not possible. I was not in a position where, where I could ride uh, the last 50 k's. Tell me about what you were telling me before about the gravel in comparison to cobbles for you, and the difference that you feel, because I think a lot of people who have never ridden this, even myself, the only thing you compare it to is cobbles, but actually it's completely different. Why is it different and why is it different for you? Yeah, I think I also maybe tend to compare the sectors a bit to, to cobbles, but for me it's different. I think on the cobbles, I'm perhaps a bit too careful. Uh, yeah, take 
bit bit too safe maybe in some of the corners of the straight I'm not sitting close enough so I end up losing one position after the other just slowly falling back through the bunch and, and here on the gravel I think uh, yeah, the first time I was here I was also doing well on the gravel and now again as long as I was in the bunch uh, yeah it was going good for me I was finding my way to the front and yeah I, you can I, just use your power a bit more and move around guys in comparison to the cobbles yeah, I don't necessarily. I don't know if it's the power. I think, yeah, just break later. You take a couple of spots on on the downhill, and yeah, I felt I was in control, and, and in general, I was able to yeah move faster than, than other guys. So I took it, it more easy here on, on the gravel. All right, we got Mr. Stradabianchi here himself, Simon Clark. Mate, tell me about your day. Tell me how it was. Tell me the comparisons, the feelings. Yeah, I mean. The biggest thing was the dust. I tried to sit back like I normally do the first four sectors and even at 40th or 50th wheel you just nearly, it wasn't quite like in the convoy but you, you were breathing a lot of dust and it was not ideal. Um, Comparison to other stratas, way different was it? Uh, in terms of dust, yeah. yeah, it was way, probably at least double as dusty, <laughs> yeah. You know, I still wanted to stick to my plan of saving energy than, than busting it out up the front there in those early sectors with, as you now know, such a hard race still to come. Uh, so I stuck with that and I was feeling good and everything went pretty smooth for me up until uh, the, the double sector with, uh, just before the feed zone and uh, Alaphilippe and a couple of others attacked on the descent and we, we weren't there. And so I followed uh, Fugel Sang and Van Ert and rode across to the front. On the descent? Or afterwards? The next kicker, the, the second kicker on the, the last uh, section before the feed zone. And uh, although I was feeling good, I just went into the red and never came back out. And, yeah, I mean, it's hard to make those decisions where it's like, do you push and be in the race? Or risk not being in the race but saving the legs? and. Uh, ultimately, it was probably the other option, but it's easy to say that sitting on the bus after the race. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think what you're saying there is hard to know because we don't actually race a race like this so intense in such hot conditions. Like I was saying before, with the Vuelta, it's intense at the end, but you finish the race the last 30k. This was intense at the start, and in the Vuelta, say, you go to the red, but you finish the race. Here, like you said, you go to the red, but you still got whatever, 50, 60k to go. So I felt like for me it was uncharted territory. And when I went into the red, I went, yeah, okay, that's cool. I've been in the red, but I'll just go back in there. But you couldn't do that. And I found that out only in the moment, as sounds like you did. It's the morning after Alberto Bettiol was our star yesterday. I got the chance to witness the last part on TV, unfortunately, but fortunately. <laughs> Mate, can you tell me about your day yesterday? How it felt for you to be back racing, but again, to show the form on your home roads? Yeah, yesterday was uh, a really 
fantastic day for me. Uh, I was super excited to race after such a long period and especially in my home roads. Was uh, I was feeling good yesterday. Uh, maybe I could play a little bit better the my cards, but anyway, I'm happy to what I did and to attack uh, after so many times. I felt uh, was 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 good to see also a lot of crowds, uh, a lot of people uh, cheering me and on the road, and uh, was uh, was a really really. Uh, special moment yesterday. Tell me about the bottles because I don't think a lot of people understand that we had maybe two or three people every sector, and they were they were locals, they were friends of Fabrizio Guidi. They were were they friends of yours? People out there giving the bottles? Yes, they all they were all ex-professional, and the one old man. Uh, Marcello was uh, my former uh, DS when I was uh, amateur and also of Fabrizio. So two generations of uh, when Fabrizio Guidi was a rider in amateur, he was the director and a uh, few years after he was also my director. So yeah, it was, uh, was really special and uh, was so important. Important to find uh, in every sector two or three guys with bottles and wheels in case of flat tire. Probably from television you see uh, everything smooth, but behind there is a, a big work of a lot of people. My family was there, my father, my brother, my, my best friend. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, every year they, they come, but uh, unfortunately it's, it's, uh, it's the first time that I, I make a good result here because the last years I was a little bit unlucky because this race is so beautiful, but at the same time also dangerous and a lot of things can happen. So you have to find a good, uh, the good day. And uh, fortunately yesterday I found a good day I could be better, I could be worse, but I, I'm really happy. Again, I have no regrets and uh, this fourth place, I'm really happy with this fourth place. G'day mate, JJ back on the mic. Welcome back to the uh, pod, JJ. Thank you. Nice having me again. So, mate, we're kicking back in the uh, the villa here in Tuscany. How you been enjoying that? It's something different. I think for me, I'm was super excited to go back to racing. Um, but yesterday was just a completely different race. I cannot like describe it. Or it was basically a race that I've never done before. But it was also one that I really liked. In the way it turned out and what the conditions are like and which was really good. What was your job yesterday? Because you're one of the mechanics. What was your role yesterday? So I was yesterday in sectors. Yep. So I was doing three three points yesterday, basically doing some feeding, but also having uh, spare wheels and stuff. He needs If he needs wheels from me, I can give them to him. But yeah, Restock the car, you mean? Yeah, restock the car if we ran out of wheels and like that. But uh, otherwise, I was just like a sector person with bottles and everything do you mind doing that because like i can imagine like it's nice being in the car it's hectic but it sometimes it's difficult to know what's going on in the race when you just do the sectors you get a bit of a feel of the race the atmosphere what do you think yeah i quite enjoyed it because it's yeah. something i'm never used to and it's something i also like 
would like to do in the classics just to see one day how it really is for guys that like just going and doing sectors and running around which was nice but you also get to see the race for that few seconds and how it plans out and what's going on which was nice and you see like oh i wonder if he's going to get across you get to the next sector he made it oh we're in back in the race yeah yeah so it's like really like i think it's not a big stress on this race because not a lot of sectors uh, or to cover for people so we had enough time to get to the next sector uh, but it's also it's weird because you're not used to it like okay now we need to go we cannot wait for more people let's go because there's like say there's a feed zone just up the road from other people so they will get something there but we need to get to the next point because of the riders in front what are you going to do this week now you got we've got six days before san remo what's the plan this week we'll basically go through everything um also then changing the new tires onto the 40s so preparing all the wheels for san remo because mm-hmm. we were running 28 yesterday so we need to to change to 26 or 25s i think are they going to be tubeless or tubes or what's the go tubeless so basically all the tubeless we're preparing the 40 uh, millimeter wheels with tubeless and then also that gives us also for dauphine next which this truck will do do we put sealant in the tires at the moment no um it's only we have a i call like a sponge inside um, I can't go into detail about it because it's always a secret to other teams. Uh, but yeah, that's basically our safety and you can still ride it on the... Yeah, so when it flats, it doesn't just go straight to tyre? No, you still have that little bit that feels like you almost got like two bars in your tyres. Yeah. So you can still ride with it wherever you need to go. It's quite good. I punched yesterday and it was nice. I didn't know I had a puncher until I went around two corners and then you sort of felt the back slip out. And you're like, what? Oh, I've got a puncher. So it was, you could have ridden it quite a long way. Yeah, that's basically the the purpose of that inner, if I can put it that way, is basically to help you get to some point where you can get a new wheel or something like that or in future. That, I think that's what we're going to go. Um, and it's also a safety thing um, because of tubeless. Like what we're using, if you don't use that, that foam insert and the tires deflated and it comes off you may crash why don't you use um sealant in road tire tube tubeless because like gravel tires and mountain bike tires you use sealant don't you yeah we do um we prepare the tires a little bit different um to what the normal tubeless regulation well not regulation but what they recommend to us um so we basically brush the tires with sealant before so it dries out so just like the small bubbles um, or air escaping we just basically seal that off and then that's something we we're experimenting now because it's obviously tubeless a new thing on the road for us um, just to make sure is it working is it not working do we need to put sealant do we not need to put sealant and it's also like if you put sealant um, because like now we've been off for three months like we it dries out so we have to change the tires even though the the tires are still brand new. All right, so we're out at the truck, <coughs> couple days after Strata. Just got back from our training rides. Boys have been busy. I'm talking with Georgie Boy, the mechanic. He was the main man behind the race car on the day. The dust has settled, George. What can you remember from the dust storm from being behind Strata Bianchi? So he's like uh, to roll on the snow. The, the bikes <laughs> are all uh, white. 
yeah, it's a special day. We lose uh, so many time to wash the bikes to clean really well because <laughs> if we don't take the all the dusty out, then we will uh, damage the old bearings, all the all the uh, system of the bike. What about the bottom brackets? Did you have to replace them? Uh, the bottom brackets, uh, we have still to check the bottom brackets, but the wheels we will replace ready three three bearings from the from the wheels from the eight sides of of the race. Completely replace. You didn't clean them. No, 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 we replace them because they are they are not good. So give me an example. After a normal one-day race, would you expect to replace any bearings? No, no, no. Normal race. Normally, if you have a normal weather, we wash the bikes. We just put oil oil in the chain. We check everything, but the the bearings have to be good after normal race. So in the day of the race, we have three three flat tires. Then uh, in the end of the race, we check all the wheels, and we have one more. Okay. is also flat. We are also lucky because we don't have any crashes and uh, the bikes work so well, I think, about the feedback we have to you guys yeah. is, uh, is good. What did you see back in the convoy? Were there any car crashes? Were there any fights between the cars? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we see two, uh, two accidents, yeah. yeah? Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo- Boja, the, 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 the German team, and I think Frances de Jeu also smash uh, smash cars. <laughs> but can you understand that? Because it was pretty hard to for see sure, back there. For sure, because from five five meters away, we don't see anything. The, all the cars have the the intermittent lights. The, the all the lights are on. Anyway, we can see anything. The first thing we can see from the car is the bikes above of the car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good way to look. Yeah. I should have done that. So I'm in the food room. It's actually a massage room a designated room that gets also snacks in it. It's the most visited room. And this is Pascal's room. Is that a good thing or not a good thing, Pascal? I think it's a good thing. Yeah? Because you can see the face of the riders when they came for the food. And they look through your suitcase and jump on your bed and mess up your whole room. Do you mind that? (laughs) You don't mind? No. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Where is your suitcase? So, Pascal, as I speak, I'll paint the picture. I've got Magnus here on the table. Maggie, hey. Hello, hello. It's a Monday afternoon. It's a lazy Monday. Lazy Lunes. I've just had my massage. It's raining outside. We're in a Tuscan villa. Magnus is laying back getting a nice massage. Pascal's here giving him a massage. Is that the relaxed feeling so far this week? It's more relaxed because they have tomorrow long day, they and you, mm-hmm. eh? and today is like, we will see tomorrow. What are you doing tomorrow? We've got 220k, are you going to come with us? No, I don't think so. The mechanic and yes, I will be here. Doing what? <laughs> doing waiting you. <laughs> Swimming in the pool, maybe a, a long lunch, a beer? No, we have to go to the supermarket oh. to buy the, the food for Milan San Remo. Quite a lot of food we need too. Magnus, how have you recovered from the race? How did you feel today? Oh, I felt good today. We had a bit over three hours uh, today on, on the bike and had some small uh, sprints. Uh, yeah, I feel ready for, for tomorrow, but it will be a big day. I was following you in some of those sprints, and I tell you, the big man's going. He is going out there. He was, he's moving well. It's going to be fun tomorrow, actually. I think we've all really enjoyed the relaxed time in the hotel, but there comes a point where we want to just go and do a nice training day and maybe we can have a quiet beer tomorrow night that'd be nice
Alright. I'm out here doing a training ride and I'm with one of my heroes, Andrea Taffy, on his training roads. Andrea, how does it feel to be riding with us on your roads or having us ride with you? For me it's an honor stay this morning together with with you and uh, a lot of a champion. <laughs> That's uh, something too special. And it's an honor for me, you right on my road. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I'm sitting in the bunch with him and we're doing turns for turn. And uh, I got a real feeling what it's like to be back riding with him in the peloton. It was a cool feeling. We spoke about Roubaix, we spoke about Mapay, and now I feel like we should talk about Lombardia. We're going up this climb and he's cruising. He's on a Colnago. Tell me, you were telling me before, the dream to ride Roubaix again. Why was your, what was your idea to ride Roubaix again one more time? Yes, I think so. some uh, two years ago, but uh, now is uh, really very difficult, but uh, it's my dream. <laughs> I'm sure not possible, but okay. But because you wanted to see the difference, the times have changed. Not to win Roubaix, but to see the difference. Well, we've got 2K to go. Let's concentrate on the climb. <laughs> yeah? I'm uh, really concentrated <laughs> because for me, it's hard eh, now. <laughs> For you, okay, joke, but for me, push hard, but I'm very happy. We're in the vans, we're in the cars, <sighs> traveled up to Milan yesterday, and now we're doing essentially a race day. Law Dog, what are we doing today, mate? Yeah, like you said, we, we made it to Milan. Uh, we got San Remo on uh, on Saturday. So with the course change, with, with everything, we, we've driven out to scout the, you know, about 100K of the course that we, that we haven't seen. Um, so it should be interesting. It makes for a long day, but uh, I mean, with, with the race that we've never seen, uh, the course before, I think it's it's pretty crucial, so uh, should be good. Have you done San Remo before? Yeah, I raced it last year. Um, so for me, it's actually I want to say it's like a massive change of uh, of course, just because you know only doing it once, I I haven't come to you know ex expect the the same same style and same course of racing uh, year in year out. So for me, it, I mean, uh, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, on paper, it. it doesn't look all that different but you really just never know until you get out on the road how's your week been between strata and san remo the the holiday week a little a week away in tuscany yeah uh it sounds nicer than it's been for sure you know i definitely was excited to to come get back into the racing scene but as with most things you maybe your your expectations your reality just aren't quite the same and something that we you know we've, we've talked about a lot over the last last week or two 
uh, since, since being here, but, um, you know, we really haven't been able to leave the, the kind of confines of the hotel. Uh, a lot of times just been in the, in the room and, and meals aren't, you know, they're, they're, they're just different. Life, life in bike racing is, is just so different these days. And, you know, I don't know if it's something that has been incredibly enjoyable. While it's nice to, to kind of have a change of scenery, I think we're lucky to have that. But it's still been a lot of added stress around, around our lifestyles of just constantly making sure we're keeping our distance from other hotel guests and, and not touching anything in the hotels and, and you know not being able to leave and, and, and feeling almost guilty just for going, for going for a walk around the park. So it's a different life that we've, uh, <laughs> that we've all come to know in cycling. Tell me uh, what the, or tell everyone what our dinner situation was. Sounds pretty simple, but um, it's funny with six, seven riders, it turned into quite a long process. How did we have dinner? Yeah, normally it's kind of buffet style that we usually have, and everyone kind of goes and picks out and, and grabs whatever they want and, and goes back for more whenever they want and, and everything. But now we've got a, a swanier that basically just foregoes their meal for you know the entire time that, that we're eating and, and just hovers around the uh, the buffet table that we have uh, prepared separately for us um, with with gloves and masks and everything and and, sh- and they'll basically just um, you know dish out what we want and you know the process of of you know relative ease that we that we've had in the past is, is now gone and now it's just okay i'll take a spoonful of this and a spoonful of this and and one piece of chicken here and 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 you know a little bit of sauce with with rice here and so the, just the process of getting your food now takes you know five at least five minutes a person and um you know it's it's just strange. Um, do you think? Do you think that could be the way for, forward with the team doctors coming in? And uh, because what I noticed is, when you serve yourself, no one's really taking care, and it's easy just to slip a bit of this in, slip a bit of that, and ultimately it's your decision. But now with with someone else serving your food, I'd be tended to get a little bit smaller portion size, and the and you're a little bit hesitant, going, you know what? Give me an extra buffalo mozzarella, you know? Give me an extra this. So ultimately, we'll sort of keeping on the lighter sides this week do you think this could be a way forward team doctors might get on this and be like hang on i don't mind this idea i sure hope not (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely i mean you you definitely a different level of accountability um which is i don't know it's strange you know it's like you know everyone is different and everyone kind of you know beats to the tune of their own drum in this sport and and you know part of i don't know part of like the enjoyment is is doing what makes you happy and doing what uh what helps you the most back in our seats in our comfort zone woodsy's tucking into the rice let's see what maggie is a couple seats in front of me maggie you've ridden san remo a few times before three times before you got to know the old course you liked it what do you think of this yeah i like the old one uh this one is different but but not too different uh I think obviously you you have some climbing now closer to to the real final with, with the small hills there but i think it will be more or less the same they are not hard enough to do a big difference uh, the new climbs uh, so i think we'll see the same final as as usual yeah they weren't super hard like i'm not going to say i'm going to be driving the pace up there but they were fast there was no real tight corners so it wasn't going to pinch the bunch or anything um even training on them they still felt fast didn't they yes for sure it's a reasonable good good road and and they were really steep that that second climb uh, we do 
think looking at, at the profile just quickly, you think, ah, it's it's a climb. You're, you're climbing a fair bit of meters, but it's over a long, long time and, and just dragging up through a valley. Uh, so when you're there, it's, it's it goes f- fast and then you sit well on the wheels. How are you feeling, mate? Weeks in Strata almost. You've had a nice week in the hotels. I needed today to feel a bit fresher, a bit faster. Are you feeling ready for a completely different race Saturday? Yes, I'm feeling ready. Uh, the temperature suits me much better now. Uh, hopefully it will not be too warm when, when we race. Uh, Strata Bianca was uh, more special in, in, that, in that heat, uh, but I feel good. Sparky, second time reconning the course. Feel the same as last time? Yeah, I, I reconned uh, the last... Fortunately, the only part of the old course that they didn't change. <laughs> so that was pretty lucky. Uh, and today we've ridden 95k to exactly the point where I started the recon that I rode two uh-huh. weeks ago. So now you've done the I've whole thing. done the whole thing nice. by complete fluke. Um, so yeah, it was good to see today. Quite uh, uh, interesting, but strangely um, similar to the original course in the fact mm. that we're going a completely different way the course is very like I, I think it'd be hard to try and find a more similar course yeah that's like what the, I was saying to second. you out there yeah. I'm out here with JJ. It's a quiet moment, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically everyone is almost like a siesta time now. But it's for us, it's like a normal day. Just at lunch, and now we start working, preparing for tomorrow, and getting ready. Getting the car ready and all that sort of stuff? All the wheels and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, just basically go through the bikes, and they're all been cleaned now, so final checks before tomorrow, and that's about it. What's a final check involved? What do you got to actually do for a final check? Because shouldn't they be more or less ready to go? Yeah, they they ready as is, but we just go through every bolt, really? every screw, just every bolt. Yeah, just double check everything is tight, everything is where it's supposed to be and on place, and so we're making sure everything they can nothing go wrong. Um, if the bike leaves you hundred percent, we know that's the way it's gonna go. Do you have a checklist that you, you do on paper or mentally you have a checklist? You start at the seat pole and you work down to the derailleur and you walk all the way up to the bars. Do you work it like that or you just randomly just tighten every bolt? Oh, just randomly. It's just like a mental checklist. You just go through and make sure everything is correct as it's supposed to be. You're looking forward to having a c- couple cold beers after San Remo before the next race? You can sort of mentally reset? Not really. Um, we have to leave uh, after the race. I have to drive to Dauphiné, uh, meet up there. So obviously we'll sleep over tomorrow night at Avion and then we'll leave the next day and arrive Sunday um, in Clermont-Ferrand where the Dauphiné starts. This is the glamorous life of the mechanic, everyone. Full on, on the road, working on bikes. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Are you in the car tomorrow? Yeah, it's probably my, it's my first San Remo, so I've been watching it on the on the television. But now in the real race, and I'll see how it's gonna feel for seven hours in the car. Well, now you can watch the race in the car on the small TV, opposed to at home having a beer. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Next up, veteran Masua, 
Swanier, Sophie, how are you approaching the day before the race? What are you looking for? What are you doing now? What are you preparing for tomorrow? And what is your day going to be like tomorrow? What are you doing now to prepare your day, make it easier? So today we made all the bottle and the food, which is a lot of food actually, because we're not used to have 300 kilometers almost race. So I did a bunch of rice cakes this morning and then... Uh, Wait, have you been making the rice cakes this week? I said that out on the bike the other day. I was like, who's been making these rice cakes? Because they have been phenomenal. No, no apple shining here. This is a, no word of a lie. They've been fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. So, so yeah, tomorrow I make rice cakes. So I hope they're going to be as good as it was last week. And then uh, run so us, run us, run us through a couple of flavors you're doing. So tomorrow we're going to have some Oreo rice cakes, some cocoa, pineapple, and maple syrup. Mm. And then we have another one, which is Philly and Speculos. What do you think about that? They've been great. We've had those flavors this week, trialing them out. The consistency has been good. Not too sweet, not overly sweet, but enough flavor. Beautiful. Perfect. Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what we've been doing quite a lot. More, way much more rice cakes than we normally do. And then... Approximately how many rice cakes do you think you've done? Uh, I think I done uh, maybe like 60, 70 pieces of rice cakes. And how many cups or kilos is that in rice? So that's uh, three kilos, more or less. Yeah. What would you normally do? Normally we do half of it. Yeah, half of everything. <laughs> so yeah, tomorrow it's a big day. So obviously a lot of food, a lot of drinks as well. We got a bunch of water, I mean, bottles made. How many bottles do you think you made for tomorrow? And how many would you normally make? So tomorrow I think we made something like probably 250 bottles maybe. But last week in Stradibianchi we made like over 300 bottles. And then normally, yeah, on summertime like this, we always do 200, 250 minimum, yeah. And how many do you suspect that we'll use tomorrow, normally? Probably all, yeah. more or less, yeah, I think so, probably. And then a lot of ice as well. We have 50 kilo of ice. We need 50 kilos tomorrow. Are you making ice, ice socks for tomorrow? Yes, we will, it's too hot. And there, just in case anyone doesn't know, there, ice shoved into a stocking, which we put down the back of our jersey on our neck. So then you're preparing that, you prepare the feed bags, two feed bags for tomorrow. What are you putting in, in the feed bags? So yeah, normally we do only one feed zone. So tomorrow is two feed zones. It's more or less the same as normal. We put uh, two kind of bars, two kind of gels, and then some of the famous rice cakes. Did you put a little treat in there? Sometimes I like when you sneak a little, you know, mini Mars bar or mini Snickers. I was thinking about it, but it's too hot and then yeah. it might melt and everything. So it might be a bit uh, messy. So no, no special, only the rice cakes. That's it. Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing tomorrow? And then what are you looking forward to doing tomorrow? So tomorrow I'm pretty happy because I go to the start. I do the feed, the first feed, and then I go to the top of La Chupressa. So I'm really happy with that. And then I won't be at the finish because obviously we can't, we're not able to do it, but that I'm exciting. I want to be at the top. Have you been to the top of the Chapressa before? It's my first Milan Remo ever. Is it? Is it my first? Yeah. Yes, yeah, first one. So what are you going to hand out at the top of the Chapressa? Because that's going to be about 20, around 20 kilometers to go. What's that just going to be a bottle with a gel on it? Yeah, a mixed bottle and a gel on it. And that's it. And you're going to see the action there. That's oh, where yeah. it's going to happen. Oh, that's why I want to go there. That's going to be cool, I think. 
probably better than being at the finish. It's more like spectacular. All right, we've just had our team meeting. It's the night before Milan San Remo in August. I've got director sportive here, Fabrizio Guidi, ex-professional himself, and we've just had our detailed meeting. Just quickly, Fabrizio, give me a little bit of background on what you think is the key points in Milan San Remo in the parkour, firstly, this year. Uh I mean, Finland Sanremo is a race that decides more or less always on Poggio. It's easy. So the key point for sure is Poggio, but for the riders, the key point is to manage 306 kilometers. That's uh, that's the key point this year, especially with the weather, and that's not the same as in uh, spring. And an unusual start when riders are just... Uh, uh, as had to rebuild after lockdown and all the situation, I mean, crazy situation of this year. But anyway, we are happy to be here, and then, and then let's see. Did you think last week was a strange race? Okay, it was very hot, doing Strada Bianchi in the heat. But did you think the race was very different because of the lockdown, because of the first race again, because it was in in summer? Did you think Strada Bianchi was a really different race? Watching it yourself. Oh, actually, Strade Bianca decided on a, more or less like uh, the past year, yeah. but uh, it was not strange uh, the way we race. It was uh, probably strange the, the riders we had in front, mm-hmm. and someone was not expected. So uh, it's another, it's a different season now, and probably even if the course would be the same, something will happen. We can find some other riders in front also in San Remo. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the new course with the new two new hills? We we rode it the other day. You drove it. You got to see it. Do you think it's going to make any difference to the course, to previous San Remos? Yeah. Every time you change a course and uh, and you do a three or six, actually, is mm. looks like six only six kilometers. But to add six kilometers in three hundred at the end when everybody's tired. <laughs> as can make a difference we have no experience so actually the climb the first one looks a little bit harder than turkina but you know it depends also how now the teams will manage the race uh, and there is another factor that we have to put into the account is that uh, we start with six riders mm. and that's also different no so let's see it's a question mark more or less for everybody it's important to have a plan to stick to the plan and then to be fast in case we need to change it (laughs) what did you like about milan san remo as a professional yourself when you did this race what were the parts that you really liked about it what were the parts that you didn't like about it (laughs) milan san remo i mean uh, every riders in italy they dream about milan san remo now it's something special and to li- the, the special parts that you are living uh, your dream mm. the worst in milano sanremo is when and happens usually to me <laughs> but also to several riders when the light switch switch off and it's, it's not because of uh, power train sometimes it's this this in this distance so long if you if you are not able to manage or sometimes you if you if you're too young sometimes if you do some mistakes the lights simply switch off and then you start to see the the road 
uh, moving left to right, <laughs> and that's the end of the game. Uh, this is actually uh, happened in, during the Capo Berta in the past, and there you know if you be competitive for the final or not. This it's a little bit different, but we will have for sure someone uh, with the light off. Mm. Because also, like you said, there's going to be a dehydration factor as well. In the early part of the season, we still use a lot of water and we need to drink a lot, but I think a lot of guys might forget that tomorrow or maybe it's a hassle to get bottles or whatever, but that's an important role. What If you can predict what's going to happen tomorrow, a rough plan of the race, do you think it's going to be... Run me through what you think it's going to be. Is it going to be a break of four going? Is it a break of ten? Is there going to be someone attacking on that first climb? Is it going to be solo victory? What do you think is going to happen tomorrow from start to finish? Okay, from start to finish, for sure there are teams uh, that uh, will fight to put someone on on the break in the start. It's so important for... Many teams to to have someone in front. It's uh, it's a war too. It's a monument. It's something important from point of view of sponsoring. Now uh, there will be many attacks, but then after that, it's gonna be a problem to decide which teams uh, has to work or wants to work as. It's not sure uh, if sprinters has to work on a new course with this hot or if uh, it's going to be on other riders that wants to attack. Uh, that will look like that probably there will be someone working as usual at the end of the game. And then we arrive in the final. Uh, and with this weather, this predictable also uh, a smaller bunch. Uh, but Anyway, Sanremo or the good of Sanremo is this is a race unpredictable. <laughs> so one who expect, for example, the Nibo to drop everybody and win alone. That was already set as a sprinter race, but it changed uh, the situation. He went there and nobody was able to catch him. Sometimes it's a 30, 35 rider sprint, sometimes just nine or three. Mm. So this is actually the good things of Sanremo, uh, not predictable, and probably we like Sanremo like this. So that's what? why hey, I cannot any, say. Any idea? What do you think? It's going to be a group of ten with with Simon helping uh, Alberto out. What do you think? This this podcast is coming out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, when San Remo is finished, so no one's going to hear this until after the race. So you can actually pick it now. I think that if we have a strong guy like Alberto in the final and a front group, uh, it can do a really good uh, uh, sprint. But I think also that if the race is going to go differently because of uh, explosion, we can decide to anticipate this is going to happen uh, in the race, we cannot decide uh, before the race, but we have plan A and plan B. Big day out, but 317k, the longest ride of my life. I had eight hours on the clock, ride time. I think it was seven and a half for us, for us shit kickers at the back. But we were saying uh, it went by pretty fast because we've the mind like we said five is seven is the new five and we've done a lot of seven hour rides it's just another another day out really I'm pretty sure it was a lower TSS than our our Tuesday ride for sure I barely even cracked three under right yeah I think I had three under 
I don't, I don't know what I had, but I know it wasn't that big. Magnus, what do you think? About today? Yeah. Oh, oh it's fucked. It's never, it's never fun to let the team down. Like, yeah, I got, got dropped before I had to do my job. That's kind of the, the worst thing you can do, I think. Getting, yeah, uh, getting support bottles all day, people help you out, and then, yeah, you're not there. But it was a different race. It was hot. That's something that you're not really good at in terms of your the general, your body doesn't react well in the heat. You told us early, so you weren't just suddenly sitting up. But like you said, it's not a great feeling, is it? No, it's not. Yeah, I could. I think the first two, three hours was all right, but then the uh, temperature just kept falling up and... Yeah, it was was really hot. I think low 30s I can get used to, but get up mid and high uh, 30s, uh, yeah, it's it's not for my, for my body, I think. All right, now we're in the car. We're departing San Remo. A bit of a traffic jam getting out. This is the exodus when we leave the race. Everyone just goes their separate ways. So I'm with Lawson. I've got Sophie in here driving, Pascal in the back. They're going on to Dolphin after they drop us off in Nice. But first of all, what do we think of the race? Sophie, how was your day? Good. Pretty exciting. I liked it. Yeah. Hot. We have some good food with Pascu. A lot of laugh. And then uh, I was pretty happy to be at the top of the Cipresa, where everything happened, kind of. And then uh, now we're driving. What happened at the top of the Trapeza? Give us a race blow-by-blow blow update at the top of the Trapeza. 2020, Milan-San Remo, here we go. Oh, they were like, the first rider were coming super fast, all together, a lot of fight, you could see. And then not much bottles been given because everybody was just going full gas. But it was nice to be there and see it, life. What were the faces like? Concentrate really concentrate <laughs> was there any like swearing or like you know pushing shoving like ah move out of the way go oh no nope everybody was doing his own thing trying to do his best i think was it pretty quiet on the chapressa compared to normal or what you could imagine normal would be yeah i think it was way much quieter than it normally is it was quite quiet i think for me it was quiet pascal how was your day mate my day, same for same like so so. We go together. We went together. But what was your opinion on the day? You know, so said her ideas. Are they the same or are they different? For me, the day was so long. I think <laughs> more. I don't know if for the riders was the same, but we love a lot. I think the riders had another job there. What, what was what was your favorite thing of the day? What was the one thing where you went? This is my favorite part of the day. Favorite th- uh, thing? What the, the ice cream? There's ice cream? <laughs> There's something they're holding back here. What happened there? <laughs> what happened with the ice cream? Aso so, aso so. So so. So, it's a traditional, it's quite traditional, you know, when it's hot those days, normally we stop at the gas station, we fill up the car, and like everybody knows, you find a nice ice cream fridge. And then normally we get a Magnum. Did you today? Oh, yeah. 
Magnum? What Magnum did you get? Oh, strawberry chocolate. Sorry, guys. Oh, that was so What did you get? Calipo for me. Oh, Calipo, boo! <laughs> no, I want the Calipo. Yeah, but if I have the choice when I'm trying to really treat myself, yeah. I'm definitely probably going to go a white Magnum or a almond Magnum. Yeah, yeah, but wait. You need to know. We don't eat only a Magnum during the day. We do eat quite a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> what did you eat tonight? What did we got? So we started with some nuts. Mm -hmm. And then we went through a nice salad, pasta salad, which was really nice. That was nice. I had oh, that. that was super spicy for us, but yeah. that was good. After that, we had a crostata. Oh. We got some biscuits, Nutella biscuits. Oh yeah, those Nutella biscuits, they were nice. We got the Magnum. So I think the day was pretty good, no? <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad day. All right, Lord Dog, the man of the race, the bottle man, collected a new world record for San Remo, 68 bottles. <laughs> How was your day, mate? You own it. One bottle, one bottle right off the mark. What I was really going for. <laughs> Uh, Sin Rainbow is not, it's not hard. I mean, the way the break went today, we cruising, and you look down after maybe an hour and a half, two hours of racing, and you average like 170 watts. But the thing is, you're just out there all day. You got a third, we had a 30 minute neutral today. Uh, we start the race and you, you're just riding from basically just, just all day and like it's fast it's not slow it's a lot of those like kind of micro like little sprints that you got to do to get back on the wheel where it's single file and yeah while you look at it from you know from a hole and you say okay it's not that hard but all these things just add up and then you add the heat in today i wouldn't say you're stoked to finish this race what about the atmosphere compared to last year in, in the Peloton? No, with the crowd and the... Yeah, very different. Um, I mean, there was, I wouldn't say there was really that much of a crowd. Yeah, there's a sprinkle of people here and there, but, you know, it's, it's just a strange, strange year that we're racing in. Alright, it's the next morning and now we start the internal travel back um, and I've run into Armin Jensen, you can leave your mask on if you like. He was part of the winning crew yesterday and uh, tell me about what your job was to get uh, Walt to the finish line first. Uh, I was just supposed to be there for him in the, in the final from Poggio until the finish line and then do whatever had to be done in the end it was setting a pace on the Poggio to uh, to keep things a bit under control until where they attacked nice just a, you make it sound pretty easy just be with him from the Poggio to the finish line that old chestnut you know the last 4k after 302k but you did it you did it well what was the uh, atmosphere like in the bus last night ah, it was really good but it's still strange in a way with these times you not it's not so easy to to uh, throw your plans around and start a celebration in San Remo have a party or something it's not like it's probably used to be 
Uh, we had uh, champ oh, uh, champagne. Uh, champagne is French, so we had uh, yeah, spumante in uh, paper cups from the Jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> and Wout was making jokes on camera about how um, how the Dutch don't spend money, which is a <laughs> which is a cultural. Uh, how do you how do you say it in English? Oh, it's, a, uh, it's deeply instilled in the culture. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, we were drinking uh, spumante from paper cups. That was nice. Nice. It's been a great start for the season for the team. So been a good feeling being a part of the team. Yeah, it's it's going quite well, isn't it? It's uh, nice to nice to begin that way because you don't know where it ends this year. All right, we're here at the airport. I'm with Dan McClay, my ex-teammate, but now our Kia team man. Tell me, mate, you and I seem to find ourselves at the bottom of the Chapressa doing the same job for a different person. Tell me what else happened yesterday for you. Well, not a lot, not a lot else happened really. Um, it was warm, got baked out there for seven hours in the, in the heat and then uh, yeah, did a little turn into Chapressa and then uh, Saw you right away from here as soon as as soon as we hit the hit the slopes there. Yeah. I was just just riding normal tempo. Yeah, I can't do Mitch dropping or normal, normal tempo. <laughs> how did you um, find it, and how did the team find it yesterday? What was how was the team feeling once you got back in the bus? Was there a good feeling or sour feeling? I think there was a bit of disappointment, but you know, it's a race which only goes the sprinters' ways one time in three, so uh, it's how it is and. Yeah, I think there were a few boys there who uh, found it a bit bit harder than they thought. So, uh, yeah. And how have you found racing again in terms of now with COVID and the protocols and all all this sort of stuff that we were imagining for a few months, how it's all going to be? Now we're actually doing it. How do you find it? Yeah, I think uh, it hasn't changed a lot apart from running around with the mask all the time and uh, just being a bit wary of other people, but... That aside, I don't think a huge amounts changed for, for me or my team. Yeah. What about the atmosphere up the Chapressa and Poggio? Like, you've been there before, you've felt it. One, it was summer, and two, because of the restrictions now, did it feel completely different to other years? Yeah, maybe there was less people, but by the time I get to the top, they're normally gone anyway, so um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice too much. And uh, did, the, did the heat suit you yesterday? Is that something you enjoy, or was really... A battle when I'm used to it I'm not too bad in the heat but at the same time like over 300 k's it's always gonna make it harder and yeah maybe like being a bit bigger is uh, not the best thing in the heat well, I thought you were looking pretty lean yesterday yeah everyone says it but the scales still say the same <laughs> can talk on it. yeah we can walk and talk we're walking and talking we're here with uh, uncle uncle Rory we've <laughs> made it back to the other side finished our first block of racing or first race for you mate yes first san remo as well yeah everything every a lot of firsts first race of the season first uh, race post covid first race post broke my leg in half uh and yeah back first first time doing that mon- monument actually at 38 how did it feel did it feel like a monument not really i think because i think with all the changes with all the measures that have come into place etc 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 i think it uh it's a different race than what it you know what it would normally be you know Mm. what did you enjoy about it yesterday being your first san remo but also being back racing and in the sun what were the things that you you liked about it 
I think it was just cool being for me personally being back in kind of the peloton you know back in the group and seeing all the people that I know and uh, all the riders that I haven't you know haven't seen for such a long period of time um, and then coming past you know after stopping for a pee break coming back through the peloton and uh, and it's funny the age that you get to when you know more people more of the guys in the cars than you do in the uh, the directors and the <laughs> mechanics than you actually do in in the peloton were there some guys that you were like you know what I remember why I didn't miss you now yeah no definitely there are some <laughs> of those guys some people that don't like to break in corners etc etc but uh, no it was definitely a, there's good and bad and I think one of the the bad of course is that you know we've had all this time at home and all of a sudden you you know in a controlled environment and then you're in a race environment again and having to chop people through corners etc and that's that's definitely different just the speed of the bunch i found sort of nice it felt good to go fast again yeah definitely and you know for for me i haven't had that since october you know and then being on a new bike and we've got a what was cool for me from going with uae last year on and the bikes we were on they were not necessarily fast uh and then to get on a, a really nice aero bike and sitting you know i've ridden it at home but i haven't ridden it in the peloton mm where you're getting pulled along by the, I guess, by the group. And it was just, I was like, kind of blown away. I'm like, oh, this is actually fast. But I think one of the big problems I had yesterday was being a first race as well. It was descending as well of like not knowing how fast I could go through a corner anymore because you're so used to having to be on the correct side of the road. And now you can cut the corners and things like that. It was, that was a bit weird for me. Yeah. And just not having, you don't have to take risks and you don't take risks. Well, most people don't out training. And this, you sort of had to push it. You had to push, otherwise you just lost three, four positions and ultimately that's the position that splits in front of you. So, And that's kind of the thing with Milan San Remo, isn't it? It's a, so much of it, I wouldn't say is luck, but it, it is such a sprinter's race. You know, it's such a sprinter's classic that it, the, it is argy-bargy towards the finish. You know, and that's, that's how you get permission, per position if you, if you don't have that top 20 spot going into the bottom of the, the Chipperessa, I think you, you're out of the race, basically. You can't catch it back up again. So now we're all done. We're just waiting for our bags to come. What's the movements from here, mate? What are you going to do this week? You uh, got a cold beer waiting for you once you get home. Got the kids. What's your feeling? Yeah, you know, I'm going to head up to Andorra to, with the family today and then uh, get out of the extreme heat, I think. And, uh, yeah, back to the kids, back to the, the real world. And that's kind of what... Uh, I guess I've missed both sides of that being being out of action. What we're doing is, you know, I, I love the cycling scene, but I love coming back to the family and just, you know, switching the head off and, of course, have a cold beer. You know, that's, that's especially with the heat and uh, sit out and have my happy hour at like 5, 6 o'clock and out on the balcony looking at the mountains and or will be nice but uh, I go back on the road in like four days and then back to I think Tour Walloni in in Belgium and uh, but one thing I have to do tomorrow of course first thing is to go get another another test another another COVID test got another two of those this week before the next race so that's part of the new first you have the training plan but you also have that plan So what do you reckon, Lionel? Did you feel like you were part of the team? Should I get some kit organised and send it out to you? Get yourself ready for the next race? What do you think? 
Well, I'm actually wearing my Life in the Peloton t-shirt that you know, <laughs> kindly gave me in Girona last November. It's absolutely sweltering <laughs> here in the UK at the moment. And just hearing about how hot it was for Strada Bianca, I mean, I really kind of felt that uh, in, a, in a sort of visceral sense. Just, I really felt like I was on that journey. I could sense sometimes a, that kind of confidence bordering on trepidation in almost in the voices of the riders some some not terribly sure obviously it's a really weird year for everyone but when you've got to go straight back in at a very high level um, and and take on first of all a really intense race like Strada Bianca and then a really long race like Milan San Remo I mean a pretty much a baptism of fire after uh, after so long off and and that kind of came across everyone feeling their way back in I got that sense from yeah it. it was and it was it was funny sort of sticking the microphone in their face I wasn't too sure how my teammates would go with that because. You know, it was a bit of a laughing thing, like I was a reporter and, you know, this is going to be your next job and all this sort of thing. But actually, a couple of them said they enjoyed it because I was able to relate to them and I could. they felt like they were talking to someone who was in the race and I wasn't just talking to someone who had no idea. So I appreciated that fact. I really did appreciate all my teammates giving me that honest um, thoughts after the race, you know, when we finished these recons, I felt like I was pulling the, the recorder out every two seconds. But like I said at the start, it's been a really nice reflection listening back over this. And it's a nice period. I think it's like you said, it's a strange period. And I'm really glad I captured this first week because it's been great to document it for my own personal, you know, process to go through it and where we're at. And when I think about my ride at Strada Bianchi and my ride at San Remo, it was great to document what happened during that week and to try and work on and try and get a good performance in there um, to leave sort of a good feeling coming away from those first two races. Yeah, I mean, we obviously all watched the races on TV. I mean, both of them were were, were fantastically entertaining in their different ways. Um, but from your point of view, what what was it like being back in the bunch and, and how did you assess your performance in each of the two events? I did struggle with the initial, and I mean the initial, the first two, three kilometres of Strata Bianchi. And I'm talking about the neutral zone. It was very weird. We went to the start line with our masks on. That was a very weird thing. And you threw your masks off in these trash cans, like at the start line. And we had this neutral zone from Siena, which is up on the top of a hill. And it's just, you race down this hill. I've never done Strata Bianchi before, so I wasn't really ready for it. And it was really, like you said, a baptism of fire. You just like straight back into it, band-aid, rip it off, you're in. And I was in the neutral zone just going, stop thinking and just get into this. And when we finally had the first crash, you know, like 10K into the race, I went, thank God that's over and thank God I wasn't in it. Now everyone might be able to calm down. It wasn't the case, but it gave me the feeling like, okay, let's hit this first sector. And it really was a shock to the system. I, I can't think of a harder race to start with, you know, apart from Paris-Roubaix or Tour of Flanders. It was a really hard race to do, but on the flip side, it's almost like we took a step back when we went to San Remo it felt super relaxed it felt great to be in that race when you could just ride yourself into it and just get the feeling of speed again and you know the the feel of the peloton and just you you're able to make some mistakes and make up for it Strada Bianchi you made one mistake and you're out of that race so it was very two different races it was great to be back in the peloton and I think the best part about it was to feel the speed of the bunch again and the fast wheels and to be racing yeah i mean uh, obviously the the 
it was pretty dusty in uh, in, in Strada Bianca. I mean, uh, you were talking a lot with the riders about just just how hot it was, and with the course being so difficult, getting bottles and stuff. I mean, what was your what was your role in in the race, and 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 how did you reflect? I mean, we heard you talking about you know getting back to the bus in time to see Alberto Betiol um, in the mix and and riding very strongly and very well, but not quite making it onto the podium. Um, but you know, what was kind of your your role in the race, and, and what did you actually do? So my role in both Strada and San Remo was sort of Alberto's right-hand man, just sort of stick with him from kilometre zero to, well, in, in San Remo was to the bottom of Chapressa, and in Strada Bianchi it was supposed to be um, after the sixth sector. But unfortunately for me, I punched on the second sector. And I, look, to be honest, I really didn't think anything of it. I thought, yeah, cool, got a puncher, I'm going to change that wheel, it's plenty of time, get back totally underestimated what it is like to be in the convoy behind the cars on the gravel oh my gosh it was crazy you could not see a thing i heard in the radio woodsy don't worry you're with nibbly if you get with nibbly you'll get back and i thought hang on if i can get to woodsy and nibbly they've punctured on sector four if i can get to them i can maybe get back to the peloton because i was losing time on the peloton just on the gravel you could not go fast I finally got back to Woodsy and um, Nibbly. They towed me back. Peter Weening towed Nibbly back to the Peloton. And at that point there, I had I underestimated the heat. I thought, you know what? I'm back in the race. Great. Let's do it. I'd spent a few bullets. Well, I spent one bullet trying to get back. But that was actually my only bullet. That was my golden bullet. I think that's what everyone only really had one golden bullet on the day. You know, the, the big guys maybe had a couple of extra hidden bullets there. But us normal guys had one bullet. Um, I used mine just in the gravel trying to get back to the peloton. And ultimately, when I when I came to the next sector, I was I was out the arse. Um, it was it was a sad sort of story, but it's the way it went for a lot of guys. Whether they used it getting from a punch or whether they simply used it just following the peloton, I think we definitely underestimated the heat. And once your heart rate went up to 180, 190 beats, you weren't recovering. When I think about the next race, San Remo, I was pretty determined to try and turn that around personally. Um, and I was very happy with myself to be able to just simply do my job, um, help Alberto into the Chapressa, um, which is an important role in such a race where the race really kicks off. And ultimately, we didn't get the result we we're looking for, but we put him in the final. And ultimately, you can just only hope for the best from there. And, and what was it like getting back to racing and, and, and getting away from from home um, and and existing in this this bubble because of coronavirus obviously you're not able to do all of the things that you would normally do i guess you know maybe in the spring classics obviously you would stay in uh, belgium or northern france between the big events but mainly because there'd be something on in in the midweek but you might have been tempted to swap the roster around a bit uh, or the team bosses might have been tempted to swap the roster around a bit between Strada Bianca and Milan San Remo but because of coronavirus you effectively had to go into the bubble and stay there was it as weird as it sounded at points in the in the podcast you've just made I think it was pretty weird for me but at the end of the day I could still see the light at the end of the tunnel and ultimately I'd been at home for so long that a week away was pretty okay at the end of the week by the time we went to Milan I was like you know what I'm going to be home in a couple of days that's okay but for guys like Woodsy and, you know, Simon Clark, they're going on to Lombardia. Following Lombardia, they're going up to Andorra into a camp and potentially onto the Tour de France. For me, that would be a very overwhelming feeling, just knowing you're on the road for so long and these protocols make it feel like a pressure cooker. You can't just simply do things like, 
you know what, I'm just going to go for a recovery ride on my own, I'm going to stop at a coffee shop, I'm going to read the paper, do whatever. You really got to be with everyone all the time. You got to come back, stay in the hotel, go to your room on your own. And it might sound pretty easy on the on the outside, but I tell you what, you do that for a little while and it does build up on you under this race sort of pressure environment. Um, I did get that feeling towards the end of the first week, but I was able to escape and get back home. Um, and I, I know Woodsy and Clarkie, they're, they're on the the beginning of a long haul so I feel for those guys and look at the end of the day our team is doing the right steps they're really taking the safe side of things um so it's it's a it's a double-edged sword you know we're trying to keep very safe but you got to take into the side that psychological factor in these times so it sounds like the guys who are going to be challenging for the grand tours are, are going to be tested even to an even greater degree mentally as well as physically of course it's gonna yeah some some back-to-back races training camps into the tour we always joke that the tour de france and and well all of the grand tours they're kind of four weeks long really aren't they because you get in there uh, so so early and and you're you're building up to the start of a grand tour but in this uh, strange season riders are pretty much on duty six maybe seven maybe eight weeks it's quite extraordinary it is extraordinary because like it's just starting a grand tour when you're sort of a little bit mentally tired, you know, and you don't really want to get to that stage until you're in the last week, you know, in the last few days. It's definitely going to be very interesting. I think, you know, even like we said, Woodsy potentially could go on to do the Worlds afterwards and then try and hit his peak in a Liège, Basson Liège after all that. As we've, as I'm sort of aware after all this time, it's very physical, but I think it's a lot more psychological um, in the professional sport, especially in cycling. So if people can keep their heads on this, no one's going to really understand what guys have done to achieve these results in this lockdown or in this bubble sort of period to get these results. So I think it's going to be underestimated these results in this period as well. And, and what's your next race then? Because you're, you're not doing uh, Lombardy this weekend. I'm not. No, I'm potentially on Plouay in a few weeks' time. Or I could actually have a big sit-out and be the next race I could be doing is a Giro. Uh, also, I could also be doing the Classics program. You know, it's all up in the air. That's the thing too. We just don't know what's going on. And with all the riders, it's sort of got the riders spread over a couple of programs to see who's going to be well, who's testing well in terms of COVID, and who's so, who, who, who also has form. That's another thing as well, because like we said, it's this weird period we saw with Logan. Unfortunately, his form hadn't peaked up just at the right time, so they, they put someone else in his spot. So I think that could be a common occurrence when people just don't have that right form at the right time. There's going to be a lot of people around who are fit as well, and they just replace people and pull people out and swap people around all the time. Well, it's a fascinating listen, and uh, I did feel like I was uh, tucked away in, I don't know, the overhead locker in the EF Pro Cycling bus at points, or, or lurking by the pool. More likely lurking by the pool at the mm-hmm. villa with a beer, to be honest, in, in my I case. think, like, we've got to give credit to Will Jones here, who's put this together. You know, at the end of the day, I made 30, I think, 32 little recordings from the week. I tell you what, it must have been hell. I was just sending all these little recordings in. He's just like, mate, would you stop sending recordings in? This is not a 10-hour podcast. So he's done an amazing job to put this together for you guys. I've listened to it a couple of times just to get the feeling. And even though, like I said, even though I was there all week, it's a great listen. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. Um, Lionel, was there anything else you wanted to add to this podcast before we sign out? I just wanted to um, mention that the music was by Amaratera, which is a, uh, a, a band 
uh, a folk band, really, Italian folk band from the Puglia region of Italy down in the south. And uh, their music graces our podcast on the cycling podcast during the Giro d'Italia. And because of the, the Italian flavour to your week, we thought it would be um, the, the appropriate bridge between recordings. And I thought we'll use the music really beautifully. Right. Well, guys, I've got an awesome talking loof next week. Go across and have a listen to that. Alberto Bettiol. He's got some pretty good love stories. I hope you enjoyed it. And until then, cheers, guys. You have been listening to Life in the Peloton. The producer of this episode was Will Jones. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Thanks, mate.